All right, everybody. I'm here with Tim Riley. Tim, uh, introduce yourself. Tell everybody about you, who yeah. you are, what you do. Um, yeah, so I'm Tim Riley. I'm the director of sports performance here at Collective in Austin, Texas. And um, yeah, I mean, what can I say? I I love training. I love uh, I love training myself personally, and then obviously professionally. And you know, my origin story, uh, so to speak, is um, you know, I I I'd always trained. I was an above average athlete, but never elite. I didn't really have any true um, uh, opportunity to play sports at a really high level past high school. Um, and then, so once, once sports kind of faded away from me, left was training and the more I did it, the more I loved it. Um, and then, uh, somewhere in my mid twenties there, I realized that, that that was just what I was meant to do. And so from that moment on, I've basically been obsessed <laughs> with, uh, all things training and just trying to, um, not only just for myself, like how can I be bigger, faster, stronger, but how I can be a better trainer and how I can be more useful and helpful to my clients. And in the beginning, that was gin pop. I, I found out real quickly that although I do love doing that and that there is something really fun about taking someone who is essentially a blank slate and then, you know, guiding them and being a part of their process and getting them to a place that they didn't realize that they were capable of. Um, working with athletes has certainly, um, certainly was the thing that I wanted to work towards. And I'm very fortunate today um, in my role as director of sports performance at Collective. Um, I work with pro volleyball, pro lacrosse, um, and then I manage all of the strength and conditioning for our NFL offseason program, as well as draft draft prep for pro day and combine super cool um where'd you grow up from nashville tennessee man let's go midwest <laughs> stand up i'm a uh i'm a i'm a northern kentucky uh kid so we're like we're 15 minutes outside of cincinnati so we're uh we're very familiar with with that area so yeah. hell yeah man um did you uh what sports did you play like in high school yeah so i was basketball and football and um, football, I was hurt too much to ever get an opportunity to really play. My junior and senior year, I ended up um, not playing at all. Um, and then uh, basketball was the sport I was I was really good at, the one that yeah. I excel the most. Um, I was starting varsity as a sophomore. I was six man off the bench as a freshman. Um, and those were, I mean, I, I remember growing up, just obsessing over trying to be like Iverson. And there were, there were days that were spent just me in the driveway counting down in my imagination, three, one and Jack. Oh up. yeah. <laughs> um, that those, those were my sports and then out getting out of high school. So my, my first exposure to, to sports or, you know, like anything competitive, uh, was jujitsu. I, I was, I, I started jujitsu when I was four and I went till I was about 10 years old and uh, I was actually a national champion four years in a row, um, as a kid and in, in jujitsu. And then after high school sports, you know, ended for me, I tried to get back into that and I had a few semi-pro fights, um, and realized that like, yeah, I don't love this and getting punched in the face is a high price to pay for something that you don't absolutely love. Sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, after that, all organ- or 
all organized, uh, apart from like flag football and basketball leagues, you know, sure. uh, yeah, sports into. So, yeah, that, I mean, I, we, I, we, we have very similar interests, you know, I was a football player, basketball player, two sport athlete in high school until, well, and my story is a little bit different. They, uh, <laughs> I went to a bigger high school, like a six A high school in the state of Kentucky, and they wanted me to gain weight to play offensive tackle. So I came in at a fre- as a freshman, at like six two, one eighty five, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm dead set on playing tight end. I'm going to be Gronk, like War eighty seven, like the whole thing." And I remember I picked out my jersey for freshman football, and I picked eighty seven, and they were like, "You're going to have to change your number. You're you're going to be playing tackle." That kind of took the wind wind right out of my sails. And uh, by my sophomore year, I ballooned up to 230, which, like, it wasn't like I gained a ton of muscle. Like, I just got fat. Like, I just got fat, fatter. And, like, good for, like, being an interior, you know, or being an offensive tackle. But, like, I could never catch back up after football season. Because you know how, like, the transition from football season to basketball season is. If you, like, make it in the playoffs – if you make any kind of run at all, you're like basically right into basketball season as soon as football season's over. So it's like, I could just never catch up. And like my basketball skills obviously diminished just because I was too, it was like 230 my sophomore year and then 250 my junior year. And then like by the time I was a senior, it was like 270. Like it's like, yeah, I could never, I could never catch up. And obviously like my jumping abilities and just my abilities to like move laterally and stuff just were or I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say move laterally, but like change the direction, like just all, it was, it was trash. It was all trash. Um, but it, the jujitsu thing is super interesting. That's, um, it's something that like, I've considered, like, I was actually just talking to my wife about it the other night. Like, I want to do that like now at this point in my life, but I was talking to like Domni and them about it. And I was like, like, I don't care to get punched in the face or like get bloody and like stuff, but like, I really don't want like broken bones and like shit like that and he's like he's like then that's probably not what you want to do (laughs) yeah it's dude it's it's intense and like um you know the difference now like when i was a kid and i was able to like have a lot of success like the pool the talent pool is not what it is today you know like it wasn't cool when i was a kid to do jujitsu karate which is what i which i did i did both and basically like you know, um, today, you know, like, it's a dojo, like basically on every other block and it's packed with kids every night. So it's going to be exciting where the sport goes and see what it looks like in 15 years. Um, but even now, like as an adult, it's the same thing. I mean, it, I remember in Nashville, there was like two places, two dojos in Nashville that you could go to. And like, you know, the adult class would have like, 15, 10 people, something like that. Um, and so like the talent pool that you're dealing with as an adult now too, it's just to- a totally different experience. And I have clients that I train one in particular, and if it's not one thing or another, dude, he gets his ass kicked on a regular basis. It's a class. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, again, I think it, I think eventually it is something that I want to experience because I want to get my ass kicked and I want to learn. And like, yeah. I just want to, and, and I want to eventually be able to, you know, be competent enough to, for me, it's not, I don't want to compete or anything like that, Tim. Like, it's just like, I just want to feel good about like, if somebody puts their hands on, which like, 
I don't really put myself in situations like that. Like, it's not like I'm going to places or bars like where like, anymore. Like, that's not my thing. Yeah. Like, I don't, and and it never was really. Like, I was always a meathead. So, like, I was always like, all right, like I gotta, you know, get up. I I I, I did bounce at a bar for a period of time, uh, but like that was just to make money. And like, I was friends with all of the football players at used at the University of Cincinnati. So, like, uh, it, it was like if, if something popped off, I just bring one of the offensive or defensive tackles with me and they would literally just pick dudes up over their shoulder and just you know yeah. what i mean you, you know and you know how that goes like you know being around those big ass dudes but um how does how does your daughter how does your daughter how old is your daughter and how does she like like jujitsu because like it's something that we're gonna talk about training too i promise i'm just asking like these silly off the cuff questions right now um yeah so my daughter she's five i started her right after her fourth birthday um, so she's been doing jujitsu now for like a little over a year and she, so her first class hated it. I'm crying. You know, she's got this other kid mauling her, invading her personal space and she's crying and she says, daddy, I, I want to leave. I don't want to come back. And I knew right then I was like, we have to come back. Yeah. That's uh, that, that was me. That was me. The first time I played football when I was five. I came, my ass came crying up the hill and my dad, my dad was out of town. He called me. He was like, you better go back. What are you talking about? (laughs) And so, and and it's, it's been a really good experience for her in terms of just understanding body and space. She doesn't have any brothers. So like for, I don't know about you. I have a brother. We're a year and a half apart. We We, we, life fighting (laughs) and we would have friends over and that's what like someone always got hurt inevitably, but if, Nonstop wrestling, fighting, challenging each other. And like, you know, I, I look at the way that that manifested itself in, in athleticism later in life and just like little things like being able to fall correctly or able to take a hit or understanding bridge um, in relation to like another person. All of those skills that I learned, I learned in jujitsu. And, you know, for her, I'm watching her start to pick those things up and be intuitive and learn how to be aggressive and learn how to get into someone else's space and also how to react and respond and have a level of confidence when she's uncomfortable. And there's really nothing more uncomfortable than someone trying to manhandle you. Like literally like that. That's it's a very uncomfortable experience. Um, And so being able to show some perseverance and, and, and through those really uncomfortable spots and then, you know, hopefully triumph, right. And like end up on top or win the match. Um, I think it's what it does for the confidence of a kid, especially a little girl. Um, it's just been massive. And, um, you know, I, I am excited to see, cause a, a lot of times too, in like little league sports, so I've noticed in her basketball and soccer, the kids that do well are the ones that are aggressive. Not necessarily the ones who are skilled, but the ones who are just like, they're ready to get after it. Yes. And her, when they line, her, line them up and they, they're doing a sumo wrestling match, which looks so fun. I want to do that as an adult. Um, like, like, what better warm up, by the way, for like a, an offensive lineman, you know? For sure. Like, like guys were sumo wrestling and like, I just, I think it would be awesome. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, watching her do that. Um, like I know that there's going to be carryover and, and more, most importantly, she loves it. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a great experience. Yeah. Well, I mean, mine wants to, she's, she's two, she's going on three and she's already like, 
she she you know the the stuff she watched she likes to watch spider-man and batman and like you know all these things and then power rangers and she wants to like wrestle with dad and like she's always wanting to be physical and go 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 which i'm like and obviously like all the stuff you just mentioned about perseverance and obviously too like getting beat and like being defeated and like learning from those experiences i think like can be something that transitions into life um but i think like if if she's gonna get into it here in a couple years then like dad's gonna have to do it too like i don't i don't want to uh at least for you know at least for a few years i'd like to work myself up to i don't know maybe a purple belt or something like that and and then just be like all right like you know i'll walk away from this and just be a meathead again but um anyway um so your your start into the training side of things like was your your mid twenties where like were were you just like typical like gym bro like just wanted to make gains and be jacked? Three <laughs> percent, you know. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> well, so in high school, like you know, when when sports kind of became like when they when it fell out of the picture, you know, like trust me, like working out for me, like the number one goal was always to like look as good as possible. Like that was really like that's what I was doing. And then when I got back into fighting again in my early 20s, it was now no longer just about looking good, but like, how do I perform? You know, how right. can I be long and as fast and powerful as possible? And so, um, but, you know, at the time, like my only real resources were like, just like YouTube and like uh, trial and error or like Same. What, what the one guy at my local YMCA knew who was just like basically a West Side conjugate disciple. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> Uh, and like literally like we're in the YMCA and like these guys they're rep- they're repping like 400 pounds on the bench press and they've got like bands and chains and everything they're, like bring all of this equipment to the <laughs> um and so um so yeah i mean uh, up until up until my mid 20s until I was like 25 26 all the knowledge i had accumulated was just by trial and error and you know countless hours just being like um, an obsessive gym bro, you know, just being in it, just, just being in it. Yep. Doing the thing, man, doing shit wrong, you know, figuring it out two hours, two years later. Um, and I experience too, man, because like, you know, when someone comes to me and they want like a lot of the time, like I, I really identify with where they're at or what they've gone through. Um, and also too, it's like, uh, I find that it, that it helps me be relatable, <laughs> hundred percent a hundred percent the 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 thing that the thing that it taught me during that time too like doing programs that were suboptimal or yeah. just a shitload of volume or uh, you know whatever whatever the case may be or just work or just yeah yeah or just training with like those old heads or those gym bros that like you look at now and you're like yeah they didn't know what the fuck they were talking but like that taught me how to train hard as fuck. Yeah. That tra- that taught me like, you know, again, like today's lower session sucked. And it's like, I, I see a lot of people at the, you, you see a lot of people at like corporate gyms when you go and, you know, that want to, you know, they want the, you know, I want to make muscle gains and, you know, with a side of strength gains and, you know, I want to look a certain way or whatever. And, you know, the highest RPE they're training at is a fucking four or a five. And it's like when, you know, 
when you're doing sets on the hack squat or sets on the leg press and you've got a guy who is who has competed in bodybuilding and is on a bunch of trend and <laughs> is taking deep ball and they're like push motherfucker go again go again go again like that's uh that that period of time really taught me how to how to push outside of my outside of my comfort zone so like that's that and i think that's like whether the program you know whether you have a because you know the saying like a program that's suboptimal that is trained hard with intensity and effort is going to far is going to be far more superior than a program that's super optimal and everything's perfect but you know you train in an rpe5 right yeah exactly yep so that's uh that was one of the biggest takeaways like from from those years for me but i mean shit like i'm still a meathead but i don't have like i I was the same as you i don't have formal education in exercise phys so like i basically had to learn ever everything everything myself and like although again you you learn a lot when you start taking certs and courses and you start like getting around the right people um you learn a lot too from just doing the thing um so did you get your start coaching at you got you got your start coaching at a lifetime fitness correct my first job official job in fitness was a sales counselor at an la fitness and i sold personal training and uh it was uh it was terrible (laughs) like they had like a no cancellation policy and like a non-refund policy and right and people hardly ever got results. And I, I was good at selling training. Uh, I, but at the time, I was training anyone. And I, I realized, I was like, oh, uh, what I'm selling these people is a lie. <laughs> like, I felt like a Yes. Dirty, you know? Um, I worked for, I, d- not to cut you off, I worked for LA as well, dude. That's so funny. That is yeah. hilarious. And like, yeah, it was the, the, the it, at the LA Fitness I worked at, there were uh, zero results. Like, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not saying, like, I'm not going to say there was a little, like, there some, some people had, no, there were z- oh, zilch. Zero. Yeah, it was, it was terrible. And, like, trainers just aren't showing up to sessions, not, like, just, it's just craziness. And, like, you know, um, but I, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about sales and I learned a lot about, you know, what I don't want my <laughs> Like, and I also figured out if I wanted to make, if I wanted to have a greater impact on people that it was going to have to be as a trainer, you know? Right. Yep. And then life kind of showed up in a, in a big way in the sense that my, me and my partner at the time got pregnant with my daughter. Yeah. And I was like, I'd quit that sales job. I was working as a counselor at a drug and rehab, drug and alcohol rehabilitation facility. And I was like, I had to make this life decision. I was like, okay, I need to do something where I can start making some decent money immediately before my daughter is born. Um, I only know training. Like that is the, like, if you ask me like, what are you good at? It's working out. And, um, and you know, the deal, you're the meathead friend or you're meathead in the family. Like I've been giving advice and training friends and for free. Um, and so I was like, this is a natural transition. I'm just going to go for it. But the minute that I went for it, I realized quickly, I was like, oh, I'm, this is, this is what I'm meant to do. At least for, for the sure. foreseeable future, this is, this is going to be my thing. Yep. No, hundred percent. 
got I gotta I gotta bring it back to the LA fitness thing for a minute. Did 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 your did your like regional managers and shit like fucking like bro, we had man like our our managers that were our what was it? It was operations and then uh like your GM of the club, right? Like the GM Bro, the operations and GM GM of the club, they go out like every two hours and smoke cigarettes outside the gym. <laughs> and then the regional managers, they'd have meetings and they'd be snorting coke and Dude. shit. <laughs> um, I, I bought the GM. This is how it happens. So I, <laughs> my buddy's like, yo, I know the GM. I'm gonna try and get you a job. I'm like, all right. <laughs> and walk in and he's clearly high on pills. And <laughs> He looks at me and he goes, he goes, he didn't interview me. He said, you know how to hustle? <laughs> I, I'm like, yeah, I do. And uh, he was like, be here tomorrow at one o'clock. I'm like, all right. So I show up. Um, the, the training manager, uh, uh, the PTD, uh, forgot that he had an interview, classic, and <laughs> I had to sit through while he did a whole consult. I waited for an hour to get an interview. They hired me on the spot. So like I saw a post the other day and it was like, it was like red flag. And it was like, they hire you on the spot, you know, like, you know, like that's not, there's no second interview. There's no third interview. Like they need help and you, you'll do, you know? And so then from that point on, yeah, it was just like my, my GM was really strung out. He would like things and like can't talk and he's like just sweating bullets out of his face <laughs> um yeah i mean it was it was a shit show that environment and i was like oh my god like i can't believe this business and we could have like these uh, weekly um you know sales development meetings led by our regional manager which literally changed monthly like person was getting fired and then a new person was getting elevated on like a yes. month nuts so I, how that company survived covid still open like doing business is honestly shocking well like the one that i worked at closed and then they they've rebranded a lot of them to um what is it um esporta fitness or something like that like up here at least up here but that's that dude that those stories are so funny we could talk about that shit all day i have so many stories about those times but like training at la fitness and like the some of the meatheads that like th- those are some of the best some of the most fun training sessions i ever remember having um <laughs> that's so funny so like i know you still you still work with like a few gym pop people at collective right so this is the thing that like i think people or at least like people that are not coaches or trainers don't really understand like what what did what has training general population individuals taught you about training athletes that are really high level athletes and like how, what is there what is the what's the carryover there uh, i think the biggest thing is that i think people assume that when you look at an nfl football player that like they like as it relates to a, a gym movement, like a squat, you know, right. or, or that they're going to naturally be good at these things or that because they've been lifting for a long time, that they're going to know how to do it with, right. with demonstrate some level of, of prof- and that's not the case. Okay. So, and like what I say all the time is like the, the guys that make it to the highest level did not make it there because 
most of them did not make it there because they had really great strength coaches or because they can deadlift with perfect form or their, their squat is beautiful and they've got a pelvis that descends right up and down. But like all that stuff is, is, has nothing to do with why pro athletes. No. And um, a, a lot of times my gen pop clients are just as competent as my pro athletes when right. it comes movement patterns now the difference is that with with mo- most of the time with the pro athletes i can show them something what i can be like what are you doing that's not that is not a hinge this yeah. is a, they go oh, okay and they do boom. it yeah. literally boom they watch you one time and boom yeah and so um but i can say that like if you can take up <laughs> and that's the difficulty right it's like you know sometimes a coaching cue or two like that doesn't cut it and like you can use const- like, like i prefer constraints and like not Me too let people figure it out on their own but like sometimes like that doesn't cut it either like you know you kind of have to yeah out. 100 um, and <laughs> if you can figure it out with gym pop at a high level do that for years which i did then when you go and work with athletes like it's it's easy you know it's and so much easier man that's my experience as well the difference with athletes is that not I think you assume that because they're athletes, like they're everyone that's there wants to train and wants to work. And that's not the case either. Like, right. You, the, 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 the thing, and it's, it's like this with gym pop too, or any being high level at anything. Ultimately what it comes down to is how, how do you, how well do you navigate people? Right. First and foremost, Yep. how do you connect with people? Um, and you know, create value and, and create buy-in by showing up, um, in a way that people understand that you you care and that you want to get the most out of them for, for yep. their, um, but yeah, I, I, I would say, um, the most shocking thing, what initially was like, Oh, like there's no difference here. Like an, a pro athlete's ability, like obviously like they can handle much more volume than most job and stuff like that. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, th- there's a lot more similarities and differences. Yeah. And I think that's like one of the takeaways that I've had as well with, you know, working with the, you know, the few higher level athletes. Now, like I'm, a, I'm not at a collective where like there's pro athletes that are coming in on a regular basis. I'm still, I still work with mostly general fitness clients and like I market myself like more to general fitness clients as well. Mm-hmm. But I have a, but I have a few athletes like that, you know, are higher level guys. And when they're in the area, like, you know, we'll train. Mm-hmm. Um, but you you said something about buy-in and that was actually like the the next question that i wrote down was like building trust and buy-in with with your athletes like you know i guess like how important is that how crucial is that like or like even with general fitness clients tim because like i just think it's super important in general like you said to like just build Rela- build relationships and like i i, I think it I, I guess it comes automatically i think for people like maybe us that are a little bit more charismatic and like just like to be around people and you know that kind of deal but yep i just think that like building relationships and like actually giving a fuck about people is just like so important it, it, it's probably the most important thing man so like how do you go about like building that trust and buy-in especially like you know, you're working with guys, you know, that are really fucking high level guys now. So, um, 
I'm just curious how and 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 you don't have them for you don't have them for months and months. No. So you like, know, how do you? So that that's a really good question. That's a great observation. That's 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 one of the things I had to figure out real quickly. But but you know what, man, you did say something where like it kind of cut you naturally to guys like you and I who, but there's a saying you can't transmit what you don't got okay and that's a that's a that's a, you can hear my nashville come out when i say that you can't transmit what you don't got and what that means is that um i can have all the formal education and experience on the planet i can have certifications um i can have the, the things that that potentially qualify me to work with this person uh but but if when I talk about it and when I'm interacting with you, if you can't tell within five fucking seconds that this is the thing that matters most to me and that I fucking live it, then you're, you're not going to fucking – you're not going to believe in me the way that I believe in what I'm talking about. 100%. And so, you know, I think that, you know, I, I, I generally – get along with everyone I meet. I'm pretty personable. I'm pretty likable person. Those are, those are skills that I learned as a kid to survive. Um, and they serve me really well today. Um, but, the, but I think the thing that allows me to shake hands with Jamar chase and then three minutes later, take him through the, the strength program that I have programmed for today is well, one Jamar is a bad example. Cause that guy's a fucking dog. He's just ready. To, but, but, you know, guys and guys of his caliber is because I, I'm in it and I live it. And when I speak it, it, it means something. And you can you can tell real quickly when someone's speaking about something or you're working with someone if it means a lot to them. And I, I do believe that that and I, I that's that's people tell me that a lot. Clients, pro pro guys, gen pop, like I can tell that you're really passionate about this. And I, it's such a compliment because um, because I know that I do, and like I fucking hope that that's that you can tell. I, I, you know, you, you I, I would I would hope and pray to God that when I'm talking about thing and that when I'm demonstrating things and when I'm talking about what we're doing and why we're doing it, that you're like, damn, this motherfucker, like, you know, he he cares. Um, well, it's it's a it's a whole aura and like presence of mind and like. I think more than I think more than anything being being present. Like when you're in a session with a group of athletes or you're in a session that's a one-on-one session even with a even with a 60-year-old personal training client that is a weight loss client. It's like that hour of time or whatever the block is, like that that I'm I'm not fucking around on my phone. I'm not thinking about what I'm going to do later in the day. Like I'm a hundred percent focused on like what's right in front of me. And you can see that with, with the way you coach, man. And that, and, and like all of the coaches that, you know, we kind of follow and, you know, look up, to, they're, they're the same way. Like that, it, it just, it's a, like I said, it's kind of an aura that like, you can't, you can't fucking fake. Like, it's just not, it's not something that you can, um, you know, that you can put on a front about, um, Cool. I guess with that being said, like, and I, you know, I pick up on these things just because I've been doing this, you know, for going on six years now too, but like, what, um, what are your, what are your general training principles? What are your, um, 
for you know this off season with the with the NFL guys like what was what did that general template look like um talk about talk about like that that kind of that kind of stuff a little bit i think the 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 largest principle that that overrides everything else is that what my client wants and needs supersedes my biases and what i liked that number one and and now that's just in general but particularly with the pro athletes and the nfl guys like you know if a guy doesn't like a movement or wants guy something or has had bad experiences with the past or something or specifically requests that they want to have something added into their program the answer is yes okay yep. because at the end yep. of the service and i can i can now i can give some education i can give some explanation and and i can give some some um I can have a conversation surrounding that um, and, and, you know, really push for a different outcome and, and state these are the reasons why I think this might be better. But at the end of the day, you know, these guys, you know, it, they'll, they'll go train somewhere else. <laughs> Let's just call 100%. it. 100%. Yeah, man. It's up to me to come up with creative ways to elicit an adaptation that we're trying to accomplish or that they want, which sometimes aren't the same thing, you know? Right, right. Uh, so, um, so yeah, ultimately at the end of the day, like what the, what the person in front of you, what they're saying to me and what they're asking for is the thing that, um, I need to deliver. Not, yeah. not, not about me. So that's, yeah. that's, that's like number one. Number two is like, it depends on the population and, and the person in front of me, what my, what my approach is going to be. And it's going to be sure. dependent upon their goals specific to themselves. So, you know, and I'll, we'll, we'll talk about the athletes because um, it's easy for a gym pop client. If someone wants to build muscle, lose weight, like there's a, there's a pretty easy template for that. Um, yep. You know, or even if you're working with athlete one-on-one, look, you know, I want to get stronger and improve my vert. Okay. Like that, where, where it all becomes a challenge is when I have eight different, I have, I have four different groups of eight back. And so, and, and let's say, you know, I have these guys for two months of the summer, they're gone for a month and a half, and then I have them for six weeks again. There are some things that, that as a coach and as a trainer, you have to get real with yourself on, right? And yep. I have these guys for two months. What's the lowest hanging fruit for them? What, sure. you know, and so there's going to be like the things that they want, the things I've identified, you know what I mean? And like, yep. uh, there are things that we can do and like in movements. Like, I think these qualities are going to be the things that help you. And the individualization of that stuff is where, like, the art of coaching comes. Of coaching, yep. Where I can say, like, hey, uh, TQ, uh, so, look, you just trap bar deadlifted 605 pounds for five reps. I don't think we need to focus on strength anymore for you. In fact, I think when it comes to this movement pattern, probably a waste of time. What we can do is kind of stick to some power rep ranges here, yep. power per quote unquote percentages. Uh, let you hang out in there, and then like let's focus on some more like plyometric, elastic driven stuff. For yeah. a little, you know what I mean? Uh, Makes sense, right? Because like, I think we got the strength side down. <laughs> him from like a like repping that out for five reps to eight is not going to do anything for him. Is that going to move? No. So um, whereas like I have other guys who are naturally much, much more elastic and they're relative. Like, you know, you think of a guy being in the NFL, 
you're like, you should be able to, you know, uh, back squat 225 for reps, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, or like, and so, you know, identifying those things. So I have a general template of like, okay, here's how I want as the whole group things to go, you know? And it's generally just like, you know, pretty cookie cutter, um, uh, like a little hypertrophy phase, a little strength, and then like maybe like a French contrast phase before I, sh- I ship them out. And all of that has an asterisk next to it based on the sprint volume and field work volume have on a week-to-week basis. So I'm always sure. adding or lowering volume with the general goal of things intensifying over the course of that time period. Um, but then the individual stuff comes in. And honestly, like sometimes it takes a week or two for me sure. to identify those things for people because like, and it's easier to like when you work with guys year over year, you're not in charge of all the variables. You're not a college strength and conditioning coach. It's not like you have this like perfect schedule to where it's all laid out. Like you're, you're getting guys at different parts and they're doing different things. And they're, you know, maybe they're doing, like you said, this field work, or maybe they're going to Vegas and partying this weekend. Like you have no idea like what's going on. Yeah, so it's like they might be here week one, but then they're gone for a week when they come back, and uh, they're basically starting all over. And it's like those are just conversations and coaching decisions that I have to make on the fly um, with the individual. And it's not like, a, okay, you did this or that. Like Because these guys are professionals, it's a collaborative effort. Like, hey, here's what I've observed. You know, you started here week one. Week two, you were in Cancun. Uh, week three, you're back. Um, so I think it might be wise for us to, you know, start where we were at in week one. If you feel confident, push this place. That's great. But I don't want you to bury yourself today because weeks four, five, and six, here's the rest of the plan. Right. What do you, right. You know, and, and like the most important thing has to be like, you know, how they're feeling yeah. as a professional athlete. Like, and like, yeah. if you're delivered, as long as you can deliver a, a good training experience in the real time based on the data that you have given to you around their lifestyle and what, whatever they're like, that's, that's really the name of the game. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. honestly, um, gen pop clients for the, I mean, depending on the gen pop client, but like I get more consistency out of them than I do with the pros a lot of the time. Right. Not yeah. that, you know, and now it also depends on the time of year, you know, usually going into uh, preseason, you know, that right. last six to eight weeks right after OTAs, uh, guys are pretty dialed in. Like they're there. They're not the, the weekend vacations or like the air weeks, Airbnb parties with their buddies. is that's fun. Yeah, that's over. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, uh, it's uh, basically you, and, and this is just like for me personally in life. Um, but also in training, being so married or attached to any philosophy or, or ideology to the point that it doesn't allow me to, to show up the best way possible, whether that be for a client or just in general, then like, it's not serving me. Like at the day I'm trying to put them in the best position to be successful. And so you know, from like a, a, a principled perspective, it doesn't leave a lot of room to say that this is the most important followed by this being the second, you know, I have right. like steps and biases, but 
um, ultimately, um, it's like, okay, like here's the information I have today. Here's the best decisions that I think we can make based off that. All of that's done off an outline of basically where I want things to go. And the good thing about working with pro athletes, and this is something that people don't talk about enough, is like, honestly, what you do in training doesn't fucking matter because these guys adapt to it. I mean, that's the fucking truth. Dude. Better staring at a fucking wall, right? And so if I can just do the best I can to make there is as much consistency as possible, that there's a lot of buy-in, that there's high intent, and that the environment is one that's competitive and, and passionate and intense, that guys are enjoying, like, those are the things that are going to make the most out of a fucking six-week period or an eight-week period. It's different, like you said, if I've got a year long and I'm college setting and I can program every little fucking thing out to the T. That's not the world I live in. You know, right. I, and and you said at the beginning of the pod where you were like, you know, uh like the 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 saying of sorts where it's like, you know, a, a shitty program done with like a lot of effort and intensity is always better than like the quote unquote individual most optimal. Yeah. Um and and those things like <laughs> with the pros. Like yes. You know, like I, I obviously like you know, and that's, don't get me wrong. I'm not out here just like shooting from the hip. And like, there is a plan. You're um, definitely not. You can tell. <laughs> like, like there's, there's a plan, but plans change. And like, and also too, and then you want to talk about building buy-in. When shit hits the fan and they don't go your way, you know, and this, this really only comes from experience or arrogance. It's one of the two. Sure having answers and solutions to those problems that you exude confidence in matters. Like my professional career, like I'm spending a lot of money to train with you in this off season. And you're like, Hey, I'm not, I'm going out of town. I'm doing this, this, not, I don't like back squats and I'm not going to do that fucking exercise. And you're just like, Oh, well, I don't know. I mean, I wrote this program out. I uh, you know, I don't have any answers. Like fucking later, change it. <laughs> it out, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No, but I mean, that's, that, that's like, you know, again, I think that like, yeah, I mean, there's some general p principles to training, you know, like probably athletes should be sprinting and jumping yeah. and doing some change of direction yeah. and probably doing some kind of squat and yeah. probably hinging and probably doing some pushing and pulling, but it's like, how many fucking million ways are there to do those things that I just listed? Yeah. yeah. It's like, and, and like you said, I think like, you know, people like Will Rattel and yourself, like, you know, guys like you guys do a good, do a good job at like keeping things fresh and keeping guys mentally simulated because like, that's, that's a big part of athletes too. Uh, like you said, is like that competitive, that competitiveness. Right. And uh, a lot of times where like, you know, you look at like whatever NSCA textbook shit and it's like, man, guys aren't going to compete on this shit because it's fucking boring. Like, you know, you, you want to get in there and like stimulate guys, stimulate guys brain like it. When I worked at the performance facility, like one of the things, you know, one of the takeaways and like, you know, this like you go and play spike ball or handball or whatever like that. And, you know, they play a game on Friday. They're all PR in their jumps. They're yep. all like, you know, they're all doing their, their, their best 10 yard sprint times when they're stimulated versus just, versus just like, Oh, we're going to do this, you know, uh, dynamic warm up, And, you know, like, it's like fucking, so 
I just, uh, I, I really think that that's, I really think that's important specifically like on the, on the athlete side of things, but like even for general, general fitness clients, man, like making things fun for people is, uh, is I think extremely important for like long-term buy-in to like, you know, not just like training in general, like, you know, getting stronger, progressive overload and all these things, but like, just like continuing to exercise for the longevity of their life. So you don't fucking get diabetes, you know, like uh, we could, we could riff on that stuff all day for sure. But no, that's, uh, uh, Hey Tim, why are machines useful and why are they awesome for training anyone? Yes. Thank you for asking me this. So, um, I, I'm passionate about this topic because, um, you know, I've got some skin in the game here. So I, when I started training and I, I, I got my training certification and when I was training, you know, uh, for fighting and everything, the time, the common knowledge, the word on the street was that machines are for bodybuilders. Nah, man. You, yeah. You got to be functional, baby. Everything's got to be functional. You got to be functional. Single joint movements are, will make you slow and, uh, will turn you into a bodybuilder. Okay. <laughs> And so, you know, I, I, I just, you know, like, okay, that's, that's just what we all do. Right. And so, um, what ended up happening for me is like, you know, I'm doing all these big compound movement patterns. I'm filling in the blank, jumping and sprinting and, you know, I'm playing pickup sports and all this stuff. Um, and eventually I, I developed uh, patellar knee pain and I'm like, fuck man, like, well, what's the deal here? And I, I went. I did all this stuff, foam roll, stretch. Um, and the one thing I wouldn't do and couldn't do was just fucking do leg extensions or a hack squat, uh, which really ultimately at the end of the day is like, uh, you know, I've done enough work with David Gray and Jake Torre. Like at the end of the day, like you need to get your quads strong as fuck. Like that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, and like to isolate the quads and train them the hardest using machines like leg extensions and hack squats. Like that's the move. It just is. Um, what's so funny? What's so funny about you saying that is like when I was in my early twenties and I was not on the functional fitness like bandwagon, yeah. and I was doing a ton of leg extensions, like even just to get a pump before I squat, bro. I go in and warm up my knees on the leg extension and get a sick ass pump, or like at the end of sessions, you know, get a, either way. I'm doing legs. I'm doing a lot of leg extensions, like on a <laughs> weekly basis. And when I would go play basketball, I never had any issues. Yeah, I never had any issues. Never had any any patellar pain. And then in my late twenties, when I, you know, or in my mid twenties, I should say, when I fell in love with like functional functional uh, functional fitness uh, d bags, like. I go to the park and play basketball and guess what? I've got patellar tendon pain and I've got uh patellar femoral pain and I've got like all these tendon pains that like were non-existent when I was doing these exercises that were training, like really training the quads and really yeah. training the, the tendons of, of your knees. Yeah. Which by the way, at the time, m most people would have told you that athletes can't do those things because they'll wreck your knees. Right. Yes. Yes. That was one of the reasons why that's like yeah. one of the, re that's oh. one of their things, right. Is like, Oh, like too much, uh, too much sheer force on your knee on an, on a leg extension. Yep. Like what? Yeah. And guess what? And guess what, Tim, my fucking quads got smaller <laughs> from not doing them. Seriously. Like I look at pictures of my quads, like in my early twenties and I'm like, Hey, I'm looking at that teardrop, son. Holy shit. 
And then I look at and then I look at pictures like on the functional movement train, and I'm like, what? What was I doing? What? That's so stupid. Yeah. And so and and, and so I'm glad that we have shared experience here. And so at the end of the day, like coming full circle, like what I realized is like, you know, I, my what I want to do is I want to pick the best tool for the job. Now, I, in order for me to do that, I need to identify what the job is. Sure. You know, what is the job and what is going to allow me to do that? And, I, and this is where like constraints based training really ties into machines. Like, yes, not just like you know, using a wall reference or, you know, shit like that. Like, no, like, like when stability increases, so does output output period. And like <laughs> if training a basketball player, um, who's long limbed and have a hard time squatting in a really good squat pattern, they have, their legs are kind of fucking weak. Um, and they, Oh, by the way, hate having a barbell on their back because they should, because it sucks when you're yeah. six, Taller, right? It just doesn't. Yes. Um, and that kind of body type associated with that, like all of those things together, like I could solve for everything by just putting them on a hack squat. Hack squat. <laughs> Dude, a fucking leg press, you know? Or like, yes. Like, and, and so my output goes up, the legs get stronger. Like, I don't, and like there's this thing, it's like, well, you know, it's a leg press, you can't do three by five fuck you. Yes, I can. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Why not? You know, like who, who is, who's, who's the czar of training that's going to like come down and tell me that like, I can't do that. Like, no, fuck you. I've done it and it works, you know? So silly. So, um, so yeah, like, uh, but again, like that ties back around to that first, like you asked me like what my training principles are. Like the training principle is to get it right. You know, I don't want to be right. I want to get it right. And, yes. and that means that, you know, taking a look and like, look, man, like a part of becoming a good trainer or becoming a master of a craft, I think is, is having, you know, that meme where it's like, it's the guy in the hood and it's like, came to the gym. Yeah. 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 It's, it's the, or like the guy in the hood, he's like, I came to the gym to get pumps. And it was like, you know, learns PRI in the middle and learns how to get pumps more effectively. And then in the back end, it's like, goes back to the gym just to get sweet. pumps. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, in the same, but I mean, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the same, I'm in the same boat, man. I mean, it's, and it comes back to like that, like conversation we were having earlier about like the critical thinking thing. And just like you get, you know, you start outside of the box because there is no box and you don't even know what the box yeah. is. And then you're in the box and then like your critical thinking skills are like, and then yeah. all of a sudden you have like this enlightenment and you're like, Oh wait, like, I need to learn, I need to learn how to critically think and like see what's going on in front of me and realize that like, there's just all tools. Like these are just all tools and like they can all accomplish a job like yep. for, 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 for their intended purpose. Yep. Yep. And there's there. And like, you know, to that point, like it's all tools. I think that like being able to determine what the right tool for the right job is entirely subjective. But I think like, what I've learned to do and what I continue to try to do is, you know, remove any preconceived notion around what I think that is. And just honestly ask myself based on the information I'm getting, what makes the most sense right now? And that's from right. like 
on a large, on a macro scale from programming cycles, you know, or down to the micro, which is like just the exercise selection. Like what do I, do I do it? Do I go like single leg leg press with this guy or is a Hatfield safety bar, single leg reverse lunge going to be them? You know what I mean? Like what, sure. what sense right now? And then also too, it's like, and, and you can even tie that into like each phase of training. You know, you could even like look at it like maybe I'm taking my, my, my training model from less constraint to more constraint. Right. Instead yep. of tr- like the other way around where it's like, you know, like in the gym pop model, it's like uh, where you um, like you maybe you start someone on a, on a machine press and then eventually get bench press. Well, it's like, well, I don't know. Am I really getting the most out of, you know, so. Right. Like what, what makes sense for that, for that person? Like, are they going to, are they going to display more output on the fucking machine? Are they going to display more output, you know, with dumbbells where they're like super unstable and it's like, you know, but like the, that example of like the Hatfield versus like a single leg leg press is a good example. It's like, you know, if you've got a guy maybe who's just organ, like the organism is weaker than, yeah, like maybe we'll go with a Hatfield, but like, it's like if they need to gain a little bit of muscle or something like that, then maybe you go with the, maybe you go with the leg press there. You can, you, cause you're going to get higher, high, a little bit higher outputs with something like that and more targeted, maybe more targeted tissue. So it's like, yeah. but those are, that's, those are the things that we're thinking about all the time as coaches, man. Like that's the, that's the kind of shit that for anybody that wants to know, like these are the kinds of things that we fucking think about when we're sitting down and like writing a program for somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, dope. I mean, that, the the next one was like why bodybuilding and getting a pump is not a bad thing for athletes. But I feel like we kind of we kind of yeah. covered that. It's Think like, so. Yeah. Uh, get a pump. It's a good thing. What's your training look like right now? Like on a weekly basis to hit all your minimums and like your current goals. Like, uh, how do you? Because obviously you're 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 train you you train concurrently and like that's what I tell people all the time about athletes. Like athletes are that's what the training and my in my view should look like they should always be doing a little bit of everything. Now you can shift the goalpost a little bit, depending on who the person is in front of you, uh, depending on like what kind of demographic you're working, working with. Obviously if you're working with like middle school and younger high school athletes and strength is probably the biggest lowest hanging fruit for, for those individuals. But that doesn't mean we stop sprinting, stop jumping, stop changing direction, uh, stop doing some, just bodybuilding stuff, bro. Like getting a nice pump like that. The, all of that stuff still stays in the program. Maybe just at, you know, at different volumes, depending on whatever it is, time of year or, uh, the athlete in, spe- in, in particular, but like, what is, what is your, uh, what does your program look like right now? Yeah. So, you know, um, definitely current training model, uh, in the sense that like, I, you know, I'm, I'm doing all the things, right. Uh, Right now, I'm troubleshooting a program that me and Daniel Bach, also known as Jump Science, are right. We're having goat. He's it. a goat. He's a goat. Yeah, man. And uh, he's a goat. And I are buddies, and we don't get to play basketball together and talk training and talk shit together, and it's fun. But I've got the program. He's so, he's he's the goat. Yeah, one of the goats. He's goaded. I, I did his. You know, so you know, at the end of the day, like. Uh, I'm 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 an explorer. I'm I you know I want to learn. I want to know more. You know I, I, Daniel's training principles and just like the way he approached conceptually and super logically the decisions that he makes and why. 
I really identified with a lot of his jump science program and it worked. I mean, I, it, it worked for me. Um, and uh, I was like tagging him in some of his stuff and like my dunks were getting better. And he shot me a DM. He was like, dude, do you want to hang out? And I was like, yeah, let's get together. Um, and so, um, of course, that was that was an, at like, uh, I guess, like the tail end of COVID, maybe. Is he in the Austin area? He is. Yeah. That's fucking dope, man. Um, and so and so, yeah, so he and, him are, he and I are writing a program together. It's all but written. Um, you know, I, I went through the first phase and then I just went on vacation. There's some tweaks that I'm going to make to the, to the first phase. I think we need some more uh, arm pump volume on one of the days. That's going to be. Yeah. The, the program's called Jumping Jacked. And uh, it's, it's exactly what it sounds like, man. Jump high and get jacked. And that's really because, you know, it, like, what do I want to do? You know, what do that's I- Tim. That's Tim Riley in a nutshell that's, from I'm, the from my from my like Internet per- perspective yeah. of you. I want to get jacked and I want to and if I can run faster, great, too. But like, you know, um, but at the very least, I know I can still I can still look like an animal on a fly. And so. Um, we're, we're making a program where it's going to be two phases and it's going to be something where you can do the first phase deload, do the second phase deload, go and hit some PRs, right? Do some one rep max testing and then run that motherfucker back. Hell yeah. Yeah. And so you just ride it until the, until it gets totally stale or until you stop seeing the kind of results you want, step away from it and run it back. Hell Um, yeah. We're excited about it because, you know, stuff that we've both done and used, um, and kind of like the training that we are, we're, we've kind of independently do of one another just intuitively to accomplish those goals. Cause we have the same goals, which is just sure. like look jacked and obviously jump as high as possible. Um, so now like we've been able to like bring those two things together and there there's, there's, it's like a soup, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's things that I really like and love and things that I've had success with and things he really likes and love and he's had success with. And then we throw it into the soup and then now I'm going through the, the trial period, because just because, you know, my ingredients are great and his ingredients are great. That doesn't mean that those ingredients together are going to be great. Right. Sure. So I'm going through that process, but so far it's going really well and I'm very excited and I'm seeing some strength gains and, you know, my, it seems like I'm, I'm windmill dunking pretty easily, which is a, a first for me. And so, um, yeah, man, that's France. It. It's a lot of jumping and a lot of, uh, benching and squatting. I love it. Do you guys, uh, do you guys typically get together and like do your dunk sessions together? Cause like, that's the, the biggest thing about up here, Tim is like, like, I mean, I have some friends that like to hoop and stuff like that, but they don't necessarily like to like the idea of like dunking and stuff, which it's just a buzzkill, man. Like I don't have anybody to, so like now, like, and, and like the gym setting I'm into, like the, the guy who, uh, who owns our gym, Ben Eisenmegger, he's, uh, you know, he's a, he's a, uh, elite level, uh, strong man and like power lifter. And now he's not, he's also, he's very well known for his, uh, well-roundedness. Like, I mean, he can, he can hit, you know, a four mile bike ride in 10 minutes, a assault bike ride in 10 minutes. Like he's, he's a fucking unit at two thirty. 700 pound deadlifter like oh my god so he's a beast and he can get and like he even talks about like playing some basketball and stuff now he's not you know g- getting crazy with the with the dunks and, and and that kind of stuff but like i just struggle to so like right now i'm i'm doing i'm doing uh i'm doing co- the the compound guys i'm doing beef castle 
because I'm just like, man, I can't, I can't fucking find anybody to like do these dunk sessions with. And it's just fucking boring by myself. And like, if I had a, if I had a, if I had a rim, like I have, I've got one at my parents, but I just don't really like going to my parents that much. Uh, <laughs> that's another whole thing. But, uh, yeah, I, it's just, uh, I was struggling to find people to like, to hoop with and dunk, not only, not only dunk with, but like consistently hoop with too. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've just kind of like, I've kind of turned back into like the, just get my, I, like I got some SPD goals and like fucking just get jacked and yeah. be a, be be kind of a be kind of a meathead. But <laughs> I uh, but I I'll, I'll definitely be I'll definitely be getting the program man for sure. And uh, once once maybe I once I hit these little like short to midterm medium term goals that I've got with like the lifting stuff, I'll probably get back into trying to be an athlete again. I haven't completely I haven't completely uh, I haven't completely completely left it in the past i'm still like doing some doing some extensive plyos and stuff like that in my and my and my prep stuff and then like on my conditioning days i'm doing some intensive plyos but like it's nothing it's nothing that serious most of the lifting is taken over my sure. i, I want to get back i want to get back more into the concurrent model though here in the future because i can see where here in the next few training blocks i think i'm going to get a little tired of uh, kind of being a refrigerator you know <laughs> but but like what I, I guess like and you don't have to disclose this if you don't want to but like what's the week like how many how many how many days of like lifting are you doing right now well thanks to this, the program four you know okay is um, it like two up is it like two uppers two lowers type of deal okay yeah there's gonna um there's gonna be like um you know on one of the upper days, you'll have your dunk session before. So, like, how sweet is that? Like, you have a dunk session. So sick. <laughs> a heavy thing. Uh, and there are AMRAPs involved. It's just, I'm very excited. Sweet pumps. Yeah, sickening pumps. And so... Sickening! Uh, it's it's <laughs> fun, dude. And you got two upper, two lower. There's, there's some sprint volume there. Um, a lot of plyos. As you can imagine uh, at least one sure. dunk week um you know there's two strength focused days um and then two you know more quote-unquote dynamic effort sort of days would just get fucked massive pumped uh accessories so yeah yeah it's 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 gonna be fun and then you know the rest of the days of the week is like rest recover eat lots of food drink lots of water you know right like, yep so the goal is to get strong and get more powerful and yeah that's that those are that that's and like my my ebook my training ebooks that i that i that i released are kind of the the, the athletic template one is very very similar some spraying some jumping it, it's it, and then that i i i split it into three phases and the third phase is like a french contrast but mm-hmm. it's a uh, and then I, I gave I gave love to our boy the the admin and phase two and ran some uh, little 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 hypertrophy clusters phase for for the glaze. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's good stuff, man. I'll have to I'll, I'll have to check it out and just ta- just talking about it right now, man, makes me want to like fucking get back to like more concurrent based training versus just like straight like strength and meathead stuff. But hey, I'm I'm making some gains, so we'll. There you go we'll ride the we'll ride the wave here for a little bit longer but um yeah man that i i want to respect your time we're we're coming we're over an hour um tim where can everybody find you if you want to be found 
Sure. Yeah. Find me. Um, I'm on TikTok and Instagram at Tim Riley Training. Um, and, uh, you know, as far as things to be on the lookout for, Jumping Jacked is uh, going to be the new program with me and Daniel. We're hoping that we can get that thing launched uh, by October or at least in October. So stay tuned there. But, uh, yeah, at Tim Riley Training is the place to find me, Instagram and TikTok. Um, and then uh, that's it. Feel free to DM me. Y'all reach out. I like connecting. If you took the time to listen to this podcast, you're my kind of person. So you, you DM. Hell yeah, man. Hey, appreciate you coming on. This was fucking awesome. We'll have to do it again. No, we will.